Well, last week, if it didn't snow, we were going to be starting our series called Christmas Uncut, the editor's version. And typically, when you go to a movie, you see the cut version, meaning they cut out all the bloopers, they cut out all the extra scenes, uh, extra shots, and they just show you the movie, the completeness. It's really not until maybe you get the version where you can take it at home, bring it up on Netflix or whatever, and they give you the option to watch the, the full story or the uncut version where it's the bloopers and that. And what's so interesting about the Christmas story is that God did not leave out any of the bloopers. He left everything in, the whole story. And so last week we talked about, if you chimed in on live stream, the whole idea of the previews on how when movies are going to come out, they send out previews to get your interest and to let you know what's coming. And that's what God did with the prophets. 700 years before Jesus' birth, he was foretelling through prophets that Jesus, the Messiah, was coming. And it's just like the movies. They want to get us interested in that. And today, we are going to be looking at the whole idea of the supporting actress. When it comes to movies, our next award is based on the all-time performance by an actress in a supporting role. Performance by an actress in a supporting role is one of the Academy Awards of Merit presented annually at the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences and recognizes the actress who has delivered an outstanding performance while working within the film industry. However, the award has commonly been referred to as the Oscar, right? The Oscar Award for Best Supporting Actress. Now, as many of you know, the supporting role is not the main role. The supporting role actually has a difficult position because they are charged with not upstaging the main role, the actor or actress. So they have to stand back. They have to not maybe be all in to make sure that they don't get in the way of the main actor or actress. Back in 2019, February, Regina King was the most recent winner of this category for her role as Sharon Rivers in If Beale Street Could Talk. Over the years, there have been prominent actresses that have received this award. Matter of fact, Meryl Streep has received this award 21 times. She was nominated, but she's only received it three, although she's in second place. There's only one other woman, actress, who has received it more than that, and that was just four times, Katherine Hepburn. And so it's a very difficult, very prestigious award to be given. Now, Although Meryl Streep deserves these nominations and the Oscars that followed, by far the best supporting actress ever to play the role is, the envelope please, 
Mary, the mother of Jesus, right? It's incredible, her role. So what was so incredible then about Mary and her performance and why was Mary nominated and chosen for the all-time best supporting actress when it came to playing the role of the mother of Jesus? Well, first of all, she was chosen because of all the ruckus around the Christmas story. Earlier, you heard a portion of this Christmas story read. I want to read you a portion of the script from Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. It says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will have no end, period. How will this be, Mary? Asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who said was unable to conceive is already in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. What was all the ruckus around this first Christmas? Well, the first ruckus was she was a virgin. She was a virgin. Some argue the virgin birth is absolutely impossible because miracles don't happen. They contend Mary is neither the first nor the last person to find herself in trouble, right? And so she made up this whole story about the Holy Spirit coming and that she was pregnant with the Son of God. A second camp actually affirms the birth of Jesus from the Holy Spirit because it's in the Bible, but they don't understand truly why it was necessary But the virgin birth is paramount because it is only through the virgin birth, it is only when God bypasses the sin of Adam that God is able to provide a savior who is unstained by original sin. This simply means that God would send a savior into the world through the body of a woman without the aid of a human male. Why? Because all humans are sinners and that sinfulness is passed on through the seed of man. The second Adam, Jesus, 
the perfect man and savior of the world, Jesus Christ, was sent to us through a virgin's womb and through the agency of the Holy Spirit in order to perform a union of God and man without any sin. The virgin birth isn't just some casual notion or this little quaint doctrine, belief. It is absolutely critical to our salvation because what we need is a savior. Now, the reason that she caused so much ruckus as well during the first Christmas story is that she was pledged, the script says. Mary was pledged and engaged to Joseph. Engagement lasted for a year and was quite binding, just as binding as a marriage. It could be dissolved only by divorce. Should the man to whom a girl was pledged die in the eyes of the law, she was considered a widow. In the law, there occurs this strange sounding phrase, a virgin who is a widow. In the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, it says a pledged woman is called a wife. Matthew, in his account, refers to Mary and Joseph as being married, as being husband and wife, even though yet they have not said, I do. Mary was in a serious relationship, and it makes this story pretty interesting. It makes the story messy, but yet God didn't cut it out. He just left it all in, the rawness of it, left it there. Mary, secondly, was chosen as the best supporting actress because of her reviews. In Luke 1, 28 and 30, it says she was highly favored. The Lord was with her. The angel said, hey, Mary, don't be afraid because what? You have found favor with God. The Greek word translated highly favored means to grace, to endure with special honor or to be accepted. While the angel gives Mary a number of high compliments, nothing indicates that she is worthy, though, of worship. She is not this intercessor between Jesus Christ and his followers, a sort of co-redemptrix, meaning sinless for her entire life, and she is now this savior figure. She is not at all. God nowhere in scripture sets her up to be worshiped. But we see throughout scripture how God raises all kinds of individuals and we see throughout history how God raises all kinds of individuals and uses them for a particular purpose in his kingdom history. And so we're all just like Mary. God desires to use us in a particular way. Now, Mary thirdly was chosen because of her role as the mother of Jesus, as the best supporting actress, because of her responsibility. Luke one thirty one says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. The word Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. He is the Messiah of the world. It's interesting, if you look at Jewish culture, in Jewish culture, Every young girl who was a virgin grew up hoping that they would be the one chosen 
to actually give birth to the Savior. The reason for this is they could look back in the Old Testament and the prophecy in Isaiah 7, 14, where it said, a virgin will be with child. That's why when the angel came to Mary, the angel referred to the Old Testament prophecy because the angel knew that as a young Jewish girl, she would recognize that prophecy and that she would respond. All the Jews knew the Old Testament prophecies. And so Mary wins this Oscar for this best supporting actress because we see in Scripture all of the ruckus that was around it. It was messy. We see that she had great reviews. She was highly favored. She carried a lot of responsibility. She was giving birth to the savior of each one of us, like forever and everybody in the world throughout generations. But fourthly, Mary was chosen because of the risk. There was a great risk in her being chosen and playing this incredible supporting role. We read in Matthew 134, how will this be, Mary asked the angel. She was concerned. Why? Since I'm a virgin. This is bad news, people. This is bad news. What is so bad about the virgin birth? Don't forget, Mary is a single woman still. She has yet to have sexual relationship with Joseph. In that culture, it's not good news. To be pregnant and to give birth out of wedlock in that culture and at that time held terrifying consequences for any single woman. Yes, she is engaged to be married to Joseph, but his reaction to her pregnancy can be expected. We read in other portions of scripture in Matthew that he was going to silently divorce her get rid of her behind the scenes, period. How would you feel, guys, in the room if you were engaged to a gal and she came up and says, hey, you know, I got to tell you something. I'm pregnant. What? I mean, you'd be like, oh, well, well, tell me about it. You wouldn't do that. You'd be like, what? And you know, and Joseph knew it wasn't me. So there was risk involved here. She knew the potential of what could take place here. With the virgin birth, Mary knows people will have a difficult time believing her claim to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit of God. There are three things people won't believe. They won't believe that you're God. They won't believe that you're the son of God. And they certainly won't believe that you are pregnant with the Messiah of the world. Those are hard truths to come by when they come off of your lips or my lips. It's difficult. She recognizes Joseph will probably leave her. But bigger than that, Joseph could also have her stoned to death. 
because having sexual relations, adultery outside of marriage meant that you could be stoned to death. We see in the new part of the Bible, the New Testament, that Jesus is walking along and the religious leaders drag this woman before him, throw her at his knees and say, Jesus, she was caught in adultery. What are you going to do about it? Jesus knew the Old Testament law that she could be stoned. They knew the Old Testament law and they said, should she be stoned? And so the possibility of her just losing her life was an incredible risk in playing this role. Not only was the risk of losing her life, but as we read on in the story of Jesus and who he was and what took place in the end, she carried this incredible burden of being the mother of the Messiah of the world. The one who at an early age, age 12, took off and they couldn't find him for three days and they found him in the temple courts talking to the religious leaders. How many of you moms or dads out there would like to lose your 12-year-old for three days and have no clue where they are? Be a little terrifying, a little tough burden to carry, right? Tough role to live. But then we see as things go on and as Jesus becomes public in his ministry, how at times he's ridiculed or the religious leaders literally tried to stone him or put him to death. But eventually they did, right? And Mary, as his mother watches, as he is whipped, as the thorns are pressed on his head, as he is spit on, as he is mocked, as he is nailed to the cross, as he's hanging up there and people are laughing at him. Oh, you think you're God? Come on down! And carrying that burden. I mean, no wonder she wins the Oscar for the best all-time supporting actress. Because she knew it wasn't about her. It was all about him. And one of the biggest reasons she won the award is because of number five, her response. Her response. Man, there was all kinds of ruckus around the, the story, the Christmas story. God didn't leave any of it out. He just left it all in. She had great reviews, but there was incredible responsibility. And with that responsibility came all this risk. But what's so amazing is her response. Mary knows full well that the virgin birth could cost her. But yet she responds, I am the Lord's servant. That's not all she says. She adds this line, may it be to me as you have said. Basically, God, whatever you bring, you bring. Whatever the role's going to look like, it's going to look like. I'm in. I am your servant. It's a yes. 
I really believe that the Lord wants to hear that same line from each one of us. Yes, I'm in. Whatever it is, Lord, may it be as you have said. And so I just encourage you this morning as we reflect on Mary's role as the supporting actress of the savior of the world. Think about your role and what God has called you to and how you are to live in relationship with him. And do we respond like Mary has? May it be to me as you have said. In 1904, William Borden, the heir to the Borden Dairy Estate, graduated from Chicago High School. His graduation present was a trip around the world, traveling through Asia, the Middle East, Africa, all over the world. Borden was really stricken by all the poverty and all the hunger that he saw. Writing home, he said, I'm going to give my life to prepare for the mission field. When he made this decision, he wrote in the back of his Bible two words, no reserves. No reserves. His parents tried to talk him out of it, but to no avail. He graduated from Yale University, turning down all kinds of high-paying jobs. He enrolled in Princeton Seminary. At this time, he entered two more words in the back of his Bible. Under no reserves, it said, no retreats. No retreats. Completing studies at Princeton Seminary, Borden sailed for China to minister to the Muslims, stopping first in Egypt for some preparation. But while he was in Egypt, he was stricken with cerebral meningitis, and a month later, he dies. He dies. Most people around him said, what a waste. What a waste of a life. Even Borden's parents thought this. Until they paged through his Bible and they came to the last page and there were two more words written under the other phrases. No reserves, no retreats, no regrets, no regrets. And his parents realized 
what his son was called to. I'm sure those three phrases were etched somewhere, at least in Mary's mind, when the angel showed up and she had the inner action and he leaves and she had to decide, okay, how am I going to live this out, right? No reserves, no retreats. And I'm sure the day she saw her son raised from the dead and provide salvation for each one of us sitting in this room, that our sins, regardless of what they are or where we've been, have been forgiven because of the cross. That Mary is like, man, no regrets. What about you today? What about me today? Is there something greater God wants to do in and through us? But we're afraid to step into the story and play the role. And yet we just sit in the stands and we watch from afar. I encourage you when you sit over lunch or you sit in the quietness of your home to invite God to speak over your life and to ask him, how do you want to use me? May it be done as you have said. And so this morning as we close off our time together, we are going to partake of celebrating communion. And when Jesus gave the command to celebrate communion, he said, do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget what I have done for you on the cross. Don't forget what the best supporting actress went through so that you could have your sins forgiven so you could be made right with your heavenly father not only just for this life but forever and so in a moment when you come up we'll just go out to the right and you can come up and there's a station for each section and when you come up you can just grab a cracker and dip it into the juice And then I just want you to pause, give thanks for Christmas because the Savior of you and me is born. And then just to invite God to use you as he has purposed. The elements are safe for everybody. It's gluten-free, it's grape juice. But let's celebrate and remember what Jesus has done, that in the bread, he broke his body for us, that in the juice, he spilt his blood for us for the forgiveness of our sins. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you 
for this young woman, Mary, who was highly favored, who was chosen, and who said yes. A potential no would mean that none of us are sitting here today and we're all just still carrying our sin debt. But her yes has set us free through the son that you brought through her who died on the cross for us and rose again on the third day. And so, Jesus, we celebrate and we remember and we thank you this day. Amen.